0: And welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to our series entitled Stronger Together. We began that last week and mentioned that the theme Stronger Together is the Back to Church Sunday theme. And we've participated with that at least, just kind of uh, being a part, of being a part of the website and many churches around the nation. Uh, it's kind of this uh, the third Sunday of September, held as a back to church Sunday theme, encouraging people to get to church, encouraging people to invite others to church. And again, this year has certainly a, a different feel uh, because. Many churches are, are substantially down as a result of the COVID situation. But those who are uh, able to or open to going, invite them to church with you. And maybe uh, if you're at home watching, you're on Facebook, you're watching on YouTube, You know, invite someone to watch with you. Invite someone over to your home next Sunday or invite them just to be a, start a Facebook watch party and invite people to worship with you. So there, however that might work. Here in person, we'll have our service at 10:30. Uh, but whether you're with us in person, whether you're watching online or listening online, uh, we want to encourage you back to church, back into uh, the word of God. And so last week we looked at James chapter two. We took a look at a description of, and then a prescription for partiality. James talks about partiality favoritism certainly exists in many forms. As we mentioned, ageism, sexism, powerful opportunities and powerful divisions such as racism. And James, he describes what that favoritism looks like and gave us some principles on uh, how to overcome that. But this morning, and today I invite you to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 towards the end of the chapter, we have that word together mentioned twice. So I'm going to start there, verses 21 and 2, and then we're going to back up into kind of the middle of the chapter and work our way through. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, talking about the body of Christ, Paul says, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this whole structure, this body of Christ, we're being joined together. And then he says, you individually, you're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Being built together as a dwelling place for God. How awesome is that, that we invite the Lord into having residence in our heart, residence in our life, that we are a dwelling place for God. But being joined together, being built together, we face as individuals and as as, uh, movements many times, we face a lot of challenges and divisions in the midst of a very broken world. As much as we are to be joined together and as much as we are to be built together, don't we see a lot of things that, that seek to split and divide? So the question is, how can we be built together? Paul says we're joined together and we're to be built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In the midst of a society, in the midst of a culture, in the midst of things that will tend to separate us, how can we be built together? We're going to take a look at, uh, the, the, from the middle portion of chapter 2 towards the end, a handful of principles on how we can do just that. So first of all, I want to encourage us with this. How can we be built together? Number one, remember what you were. Remember what you were. We're going to jump back to Ephesians 2, verse 11 and read a few. And Paul is reminding the Ephesians to remember who it was and what it was that they were. How many of you can think back to who or what you were in your B.C. days before Christ, right? BC before Christ before before you surrendered your heart and your life to him can you think back to that now for some maybe that's a, a relatively short period of time days weeks months for many who are Christians for a significant period of time it might be years or let, let's just call it decades and leave it at that right You don't have to raise your hands if if you've been a a part of the body of Christ, if you've been a a Christian for decades. But I see already some of you are pointing to other people and they're pointing right back to you. But If you remember what it was in, in your life before Christ, Paul's encouraging the Ephesians and I think it's important for you and I to remember what we were. Now, What I was and what you were, we were sinners without Christ in our life. That does not mean that every single one of us was an axe murderer. I sure hope we all weren't. We don't know exactly what's taken place in somebody's past, but God's word is clear that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Now, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm blessed, I'm thankful. Most of you know the, the history in our family and my family. I grew up not just in a godly home, not just in a Christian home, but I grew up in a home with a dad who was a pastor. So I grew up in church, and I grew up in a godly place, and from a young age, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was aware of the fact, the Bible says that I had sinned. Now, what had I done at the age of four or five or six? I'd sinned. I might have taken some candy that wasn't mine. I might have, might have told some lies, some different things, certainly not on the realm of robbing a bank or murdering somebody, but as a little boy, I had sinned. So I might not have the, the most hardened Criminal years to think about in my before Christ era. But before Christ, a sinner who needed a Savior. Now, certainly we don't want to live in the past. We don't want to dwell in the past and kind of hang out there. But Paul, as we're about to see, he's reminding them of who they were or what they were. And so as we're talking about being joined together and being built together, sometimes what we have the tendency to do is we think really highly of ourselves and not so highly about other people. And it doesn't matter whether it's black or white, young and old, men and women, Republican, Democrat, rich or poor. We can think of ourselves very highly and put others that are different from us down. Paul's saying you want to be joined together, you want to be built together. One of the principles is remember what it is that you were. Remember what I was. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember, he says, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time. And then he's going to list for us a number of things that they were. He says, Remember that you at one time were separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then dropping down in verse 19 as well, he reminds them, you are no longer strangers and aliens, meaning you once were. So he says, remember what you were. Remember what life was like before Christ. Remember what things were like before he came in and changed and transformed you. And there's this description and, and Quickly and rather briefly, we'll go through all seven of those items. And If you want to jot them down or write them down in a little bit, Paul's going to give a new description, and it's literally the complete opposite of what they were. But Paul says, listen, you in Ephesus, you Gentiles, there was the Jews and Gentiles divide, religious divide. Much like a black and white divide, a Republican Democrat divide, a men and women, rich and poor, Buckeye and, you know, divide. He says, you were separated. You were completely cut off. And in Paul's day, there literally was, was a wall erected, and it cut God's people off from the. Gentiles who were not a part of the religious community. Multiple walls there in the temple. Now God's plan, God's goal was to use his people, use the Jews to bless all of the nations and to be a light to the nations. But instead of this, the Jewish nation became self-centered and many times prejudiced towards anyone not like them. Well, That sounds an awful lot like today. We are to be a light. We are to reach other people for Jesus. And yet instead of reaching others, if we're not careful, we can be separated and kind of shut ourselves off from anyone who's not like us. And Paul says, listen, Ephesians, you were Gentiles. You were separated. Gentiles were separated from. From the Jews. And before Christ, there was this this gap, this chasm, this gulf. You were separated. But he also says you were excluded. Gentiles, they were not necessarily spoken of in the same regard as the Jewish people were, they were strangers, they were heathen. Gentiles could enter the Jewish nation as a proselyte, but they were not born in. Paul writes and talks about them being grafted in, but, but not born in. They were, in a sense, excluded, separated, excluded. And he says, you were without hope. Man, you think about your life for you and me, our life before Christ, without Christ. We were without hope. It's with God we have hope. Warren Wiersbe says, Historians tell us that a great cloud of hopelessness covered the ancient world. Philosophies were empty. Traditions were disappearing. Religions were powerless to help men face life or death. People longed to pierce the veil and get a message of hope from the other side, but there was none. Without God, you're without hope. And many times you hear people and and see people even today making comments like that, particularly when it comes to something such as a funeral. Have you witnessed the difference? Have you observed a difference perhaps in individuals in, in a celebration of a Christian who knows and has loved and has served the Lord faithfully? It becomes a celebration and so many, it doesn't mean everyone who is there is a Christian, but so many who are there are also fellow Christians, and they are prepared to rejoice when they see that individual again in heaven. And yet many times in, in a funeral of someone who did not know the Lord, there's, there literally seems to be no hope. There, there's a, a much different feel to go through something like that. I've heard time and time again individuals who have been the individual who lost someone or a family member who has lost someone. And I've heard phrases, and you've maybe said them as well. I don't know how someone can go through this. Someone who does not know Jesus, how can they make it through? Because. Without God, without Christ, we are hopeless. Paul says, you were without hope. And he follows it up. You were without hope and you were without God because without God, you and I don't have hope. You're just kind of going through life blindly on your own. Now, the Gentiles that Paul's writing to, they had a lot of little G gods. They had gods that they served including the goddess Diana at Ephesus. So they served a bunch of gods, uh, but most of them were graven images or uh, beings that were in the clouds who had, you know, specific things that they were in charge of or overseeing. But without God in their life, there was no hope. For you and I, if, if we're wanting to be built together and joined together, let's, let's not dwell there, but remember... What you and I were before Christ, that kind of described us, right? Separated without Christ, excluded without Christ in our life, without hope, without God. He says you were far away, you were strangers, and you were aliens. Without God in our lives, things were pretty hopeless. God made covenants with his people. He didn't make the covenants with these Gentile nations, Strangers and aliens. Now, take a look around. Not too far, not too long. There might be some strange-looking people in this place, particularly if you're looking up here. But strangers and aliens, uh, you know, not aliens necessarily as in Martians, but aliens, not a part of the process. Spiritually speaking, the, the Gentiles, they were on the outs. And Paul's saying, just remember that. It was because of Christ. It's because of what Jesus did that you were no longer all of these things. You were no longer on the outs. You want to be built together. You want to be joined together. You want unity in the body of Christ and in this community, in this world. He's saying, first of all, don't, don't dwell on it, but remember what you were. Remember who you were before you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Who you were before you heard the powerful message of hope of the gospel of Jesus. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember maybe who led you to the Lord in prayer or whose life it was that, that was the example or what teacher or pastor or preacher or missionary or evangelist said something and God used them to really touch and change your heart and life? Remember. Remember who and what you were. But second, Paul says this, don't just remember who you were. Don't just dwell on the past, but focus On Jesus Christ. Focus on Jesus and how far it is that He has brought you. Continuing back to verse 13 and 14, he says, but now in Christ Jesus. You were all of these things. And you and I, even me as a four, five, six-year-old, without Jesus, scoundrels, right? Involved in sin. These are the things that we were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. How so? Have we been brought near because Jesus finally recognized how awesome we are? I mean, turn to the person next to you and just say, man, you are awesome today. You are awesome. We're not brought near because of your awesomeness. We're not brought near because of how incredible we are. We're not brought near because of the connections that we have. We're not brought near because of a bank account. We're not brought near because of anything else. He says you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, he himself, meaning Jesus, is our peace. He's made us both one, broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. And dropping down to verse 20, it says that we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So Paul says, don't just remember what you were, but focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus instead of our differences. Because we can focus on differences a lot. I, I rattled off a bunch, and you could go with a whole lot more. But we can get very caught up in black or white, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, men, woman, Buckeye, other thing. Every time I say that, I, I, I get Bonnie and her, her eyebrows go up. She's, she's giving the disapproving glare of a, of a Wolverine fan. <laughs> I said it. There we go. I just didn't say the M word. But we get very caught up in and that last one there. Some, again, we, we kind of chuckle. It's, it's a lighthearted, you know, back and forth. And who knows whether we'll even be on the field in a back and forth. But there are many things that cause division. And so much of the time, we're focusing on the differences. Well, I can't believe him. I can't believe her. And we're focusing on the differences rather than focusing on Jesus Christ and what he has done. Focus on Jesus instead of our differences. Focus on Jesus because of his blood payment. That's how we've been brought near. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that I've done. I mean, there's, there's practical things that we can do, hopefully to bring unity and hopefully to bring harmony But it comes down to Jesus Christ and his blood. What he's done on the cross brings us near. The blood of Jesus Christ was the cost for our salvation. That's costly. The Bible says it wasn't with silver or gold that we were redeemed. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Now, with most people, we would think of silver and gold as as some of the end-all, be-all. You know, those are some of worldly riches. In the book of 1 Peter, it's as if those things are nothing, and it's true, in comparison to the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it took to redeem you. That's what it took to cleanse and to forgive me. So, focus on Jesus Because of his blood payment. Salvation is free, but not cheap. You've heard the phrase, right? It's free. It's free to accept. Freely given, freely accept, but it was not cheap. It took the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It cost him everything, his very life. We focus on Jesus because of the blood that was spilled, the blood that was shed. Focus on Jesus because he is our peace. Verse 14, he is our peace. He's made us both one. Peace is desired, right? At least in most people, most lands, most nations, most parts of the world, peace is desired. And yet, sometimes we... We can get so wrapped up in something that does not have peace. Warring nations many times want peace. Warring ideologies want peace. Focus on Jesus Christ. He is our peace. And verse 20 says, he is the cornerstone. I'm I'm not a builder. I've been involved in a couple different projects over the years in churches. But the cornerstone is that corner piece. It's the uh, the. The the point piece, it's built upon the foundation, and it's carefully placed. And Paul writes and says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Remember that Jesus is that cornerstone. Remember that Jesus is that piece for us. In the midst of everything that will seek to divide so many different uh, groups of individuals... Let's remember what it is that we were, and let's focus on Jesus Christ. Finally, in the Scripture, he gives us a a number of things. I I mentioned there were seven different uh, things that that he describes the Ephesians were. And now finally, the encouragement is live up to your new identity. Live up to who you are in Christ Christ. I mean, these are all the things that you were, and he rattles off all the things that the Ephesians were, and we can look at our lives and say, these are all the things that we used to be. But he encourages them to live up to their new identity. Back to verse 13. First two words, powerful. He says, but now. You used to be this, but now. You once were separated and excluded and without God and and without hope and strangers and aliens. Those were all the things you used to be. But now, things have changed in Christ Jesus. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, made us both one, broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, killing the hostility. Verse 17, He came near and preached peace to you who are far off, peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone. So just a number of verses ago, he tells us seven things that we used to be. We used to be separated. We used to be excluded. We used to be without hope. We used to be without God. We used to be far away. We used to be strangers. We used to be aliens. But now. Aren't you thankful for a but now moment? I almost said something else. A but now moment. It's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of what he's done. His blood. He's the peace. He's the cornerstone. And because of that, all of what we used to be is in the past. So he says to live up to your new identity. No longer are we separated. He says you've been brought near. God made it possible for those who were separated, those who were far off, to be brought near. Only one thing separates us from God. It's our sin. It's not race that separates us from God. It's not age or sex or or finances or other things. It's sin that keeps us separated. We've been brought near to God. No longer have we been excluded, he says. We're now united. He's made us both one. United. We all have an opportunity. Another one of those famous phrases, no doubt you've heard, over many years and decades. The ground is level at the cross. We are all able to come. It's not where, well, you can come, but you, because you're different, can't. And whatever those differences, whatever those exclusions might be, there's none exclusions. You and I can come to Jesus Christ at the cross. We've been brought near. We've been united. And it says that he has broken down the walls. The temple in Jerusalem had multiple courts And there were certain courts where certain people could be a part of. You had the outer court of the Gentiles. You had the court of the women, the court of the Israelites, and then the innermost court, the court of the priests. The outer court, that was as close as the Gentiles could get. All of these divisions that were there. But the wall came down. All are welcomed into God's family. Now, spiritually, we are separated from Christ, but there's not any kind of division outside of our sin that would keep us from him. Barriers are removed. It also says, Paul says, we've been reconciled. In other words, we've been brought back together. Two different parties, two opposing parties have been reconciled and brought together. Sometimes you hear about maybe a a husband and wife at odds with one another who have reconciled, they have made things together. Or maybe a parent and a child having been brought together. Things have been made right, they've been restored, they've been brought or joined together. That's what happens when a sinner, when a lost individual comes to know Jesus Christ, they've been reconciled, they've been made right, restored sin destroyed, sin has separated, and Christ's death has repaired it. He's made it possible for us to have that relationship with God. It's a big word. Reconciliation. He's made things right. We used to be separated. We used to be excluded. But because of Jesus, here's all that he's done. He's also given us access. The Jews had access to God through the high priest. The high priest entered God's presence once a year on the Day of Atonement. Gentiles didn't have access like that. But when Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary, all of that changed. Remember, as you read in the Word of God that in the temple the the curtain was torn top to bottom, allowing access to God. You and I have access. We're not limited by a certain number of minutes or texts. If you've got a cell phone, uh, there's certain plans, and, and even the, quote, unlimited plans, uh, they've got some uh, regulations and restrictions. If you want to go shopping at certain stores, there's restrictions. At 3 in the morning, the only handful of places you're going to be able to go. Not sure why you'd want to shop at 3 in the morning, but anyway. anyway. We have unlimited access to God through Jesus Christ. No more priests. We can go right to Him. No more bloody sacrifices. We can go right to Him. No more dividing walls. He says we've been reconciled. He says we've got access. And then instead of strangers and aliens, he says that we are now citizens and members. This is all the things that Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. Through Jesus Christ, the Gentiles have been brought in. They, they are now citizens, members, part of the body of Christ. And you and I, when we surrender our heart and our life to God, we are a part of the body. I'm thankful for that. We're not just talking about a club or a society or an organization, but we're a part of the body, a part of the family of God, if you would. Now, Heavenly Father, opportunity of connecting with him, opportunity of praying to him at any point of the day. There are no restrictions where we say, I'm I'm sorry, call back at another time. We can have unlimited access to the Father. So Paul says, listen, remember what you once were. Focus on Jesus Christ and then now live up to your new identity. Because of what Christ has done, look at what you have as an opportunity now and live up to that. Live up to the fact that you've been brought near, that you've been united, that he has broken down walls in your place. That he's reconciled you, that he's provided access for you and that you are considered citizens and members instead of strangers and aliens, and Paul says, in light of all of these things, as a result, we will be joined together and built together.